Um, so the first reading today is in the book of Proverbs, verse chapter two and verses, uh, chapter two verses, 20, chapter 22, verse one to 16. And that's on ch- uh, page 657 in the church Bible. Um, so chapter 22, starting in verse one. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. In the paths of the wicked lie thorns and snares, but he who guards his soul stays far from them. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. He who sows wickedness reaps trouble, and the rod of his fury will be destroyed. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Drive out the mocker, and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. He who loves a pure heart pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. The sluggard says, there is a line outside, or I'll be murdered in the streets. The mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. He who is under the Lord's wrath will fall into it. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. He who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and he who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty. Uh, The next reading is in Ephesians chapter one, verses three to eight, and it's on page 1173. Starting in verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Thanks very much, Lily. Um, Morning, everyone. Lovely to see you. Um, do turn back to Proverbs. Uh, we're going to be all over the place in Proverbs, but if you go to chapter 10, I think that's where we're going to start in a moment. Uh, 
as Connor and Richard have been helping us uh, understand, um, next Sunday is sort of a gift day, so we're thinking about giving this Sunday. And so really, uh, this week, an opportunity for us to reconsider our giving, uh, a chance for us to consider a, maybe a one-off gift. And so that's why we're focused on this this morning. Just to say, if you're here amongst us and you're not a committed follower of Jesus, or, or even not um, sort of regular with us at church, this sort of... Um, encouragement for you to give to what we're doing here at Grosvenor isn't really for you. Um, and actually, if you're not a committed follower, I think what I'd want to say is uh, what God has for you is extraordinary if you put your trust in Him. But what He wants from you is your whole life, not your money. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through. Um, I'm going to ask for the Lord's help as we come to look at His Word together. Let me lead us in prayer. Great Father, Almighty God, we know that you have all the wealth and all the wisdom. And we come humbly before you this morning to ask that you would help us to hear your wisdom from your word. That we might live wisely in the world that you've put us in. That you might help us to live lives trusting in the great gift of your Son. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's start with some modern proverbs from today, okay, about money. So um, see if you can fill in the blanks. Uh, so here's the first one. Um, money doesn't grow on blank. Okay, great. Well done. Next one. Money makes the world go round. Yep, brilliant. This one might be a little harder. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a person blank, blank, and blank. Oh, wow, yeah, great. So, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Um, uh, this is probably my favorite. This is what my mother-in-law says to me when I drop, you know, one of her cups and smashes it. And she goes, typical, this is what you'd expect. She says, if you pay peanuts, you get? Money. Yeah, there we go. Um, okay, well, this morning we're looking at the book of Proverbs. Uh, I wonder how many of these we know. They are worth listening to learning, taking to heart, because actually this is God's wisdom on money. In fact, I mean, Proverbs is such a brilliant book. I don't know if you've read it from it recently. It calls us to live wisely in God's world in a way that is in line with how the world is made and ordered, and in every detail of life. So, if you've not read it recently, what you'll find when you read it is it'll talk about friendship and how to do business, and sex, and justice, and parenting, and a whole host of other things. As you read it, what you'll find is that some of the Proverbs are observations. They just say, this is how things are. Others are sort of expectations. They say, this is generally what will happen if you do this. Generally true, but not always. And then there are some that are just pure fact. They're always true. And actually, the Proverbs, as we read them, are supposed to not just spoon-feed us, but to make us think. What kind of a saying is this? What does it really mean for me? We're going to look at 10 principles from Proverbs about money and possessions. And as we go through these, I'm going to use the word riches, which is what 
Proverbs uses a lot of the time. And when it says riches, it, it really means sort of money and possessions, really everything that you have. So the uh, cash in your wallet, your savings, your bank balance, your clothes, your phone, your, your sports gear, your jewelry, your car or your house if you have one, everything. I'm going to use riches in that way. And when it talks about poverty, it really means those who have less of that or none of that. The first five are where do riches come from? Here's the first. Riches, so money and possessions, are a blessing given by God. Chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And he adds no trouble to it. Wealth, whether you have a little or a lot, is blessing from the Lord. All we have is because of God's kindness. Do you think as you look at the contents of your wardrobe or the amount in your Revolut account or your kitchen cupboards, that that's because of you? Or maybe because of your parents? Or or because of your work? Actually, behind all that, under all that, is a blessing from God. When you put on your outfit this morning, uh, yeah, I spent a long time thinking about mine. When you tap your card to pay for something later, do we thank God? All of this is from Him. Now, you might read verse 22 and go, oh, doesn't this sound a bit prosperity gospel? Blessing of the Lord brings wealth, you know. Come to Jesus and you'll be blessed. And blessed means wealthy, healthy, no trouble at all. Well, if you think chapter 10, verse 22 is a bit prosperity gospel, have a look at chapter 22, verse 4. Humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. Now we read that and we go, well, it's not, that's not right, really. It's not our experience most of the time. If we're followers of the Lord Jesus, we know in the New Testament, it says if you follow Jesus, you actually have to give up your life. Take up your cross. It might mean losing your reputation or your possessions. Or even your life. What we need to realize is as we read these Proverbs, they are given to the people of Israel under the old covenant. And after the people were saved by God, God promised them that if they lived in God's world, God's way, they would experience blessing, national blessing, physical blessing, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, if we're Christians under the new covenant... Uh, So those living with Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Proverbs like these, they're still for us, but it's a bit more modified. So some of the physical blessings we read about are, well, in this life, spiritual blessings. So spiritual riches and honor and life. In the next life, there will be physical blessings, health and wealth. But the general principle as we read a verse like this for us, uh, still applies to some extent. So if we live wisely, if we live God's way, so we trust God in life, or we're trustworthy in business, or we work hard, we don't waste money, 
then generally speaking, we should expect, well, a bit of an easier life. Actually, less stressed, maybe a bit healthier, more stable. But even if that is not our experience, we recognize that everything we have is a gift, a blessing from God, number one. Number two, poverty is not good. Now, some religious orders, even ones today, although it's less common, um, ask those that sort of come into the monastery or whatever it is to take a vow of poverty. And so they're not allowed their own clothes or their own things. They have to wear the same as everyone else. They eat simple food. There's no luxuries. In a world of excess, I mean, it's not wrong to live with a little bit less. But the Bible isn't anti-property or anti-possessions. Actually, in Proverbs, poverty, especially extreme poverty, is a, well, it's not seen as a good thing. If you are poor, well, chapter 10, verse 15, for example, there is less protection. Ten fifteen: the wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but the but poverty is the ruin of the poor. Can you see the city? And those big protective walls, that's what it feels like for the wealthy person. But for the very poor, well, it's ruin. Homeless, starving, afraid. Others, maybe they have a little but not a lot. Well, there's less protection, isn't there? So when recession comes, there isn't enough to get by. Or when illness comes, there isn't swift care. There's a long waiting list. Poverty, well, it can mean less friends. 14, verse 20. The poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. Even if some of them, well, they're not great friends if they're only with you because they're rich, but there are more friends. The poor have less. The poor have less influence. 22 verse 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Poverty, it's not a good thing. And actually, we should be concerned about poverty and where we can fight for social fairness. Three, rich and poor are more alike than we think. In society, even in this church, are we ever tempted to think uh, how much we have or the clothes we wear or, or the car that we drive or the bike that we cycle sort of defines us? or differentiates us. Um, I just heard this week about some parents, not, not in church here, but some parents saying, we're not going to send our children to that school. What would our friends say? They want to send them to a more expensive school. Underneath it, Proverbs says, we're more alike than we think. 22 verse 2, rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Equally made by God, the same designer, owner, 
given the same value. If the rich forget God is creator, well, then they will despise, oppress, even ignore the poor. If the poor forget God is creator, they will despise, envy, maybe swindle the rich. Look at verse, uh, chapter 29, verse 13. The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives sight to the eyes of both. But this phrase, sight to the eyes, most likely here means simply gives them physical light. That's light in their eyes. In other words, they're equally dependent on God for life. Whatever wage they earn. So we mustn't value or despise people according to what they have or don't have. The rich and poor are more alike than we think. Number four, riches come from hard work and wise decisions. Or we might want to sort of nuance that and say something like, more than enough riches usually come from hard work and wise decisions. It isn't always the case, is it? Again, here we have is a general expectation, uh, not an absolute promise. Have you watched any of those videos recently? You know, the ones where they go, let me tell you how I became a billionaire in one week. Or um, those lottery ads where there's the castle and the guy in his hot tub or, or the, the like, amazing water slide park. And it says, it could be you. And you think, oh, I wish it was me. Sometimes we're tempted to try these sort of crazy schemes, even gamble. Do you know, per head of population, Ireland, has spent, Ireland spends more money on gambling than any other nation on this planet, apart from Australia and Singapore. We long for riches but without the effort. Uh, young people, um, students, let me just talk to you for a moment. Um, some of you, you work really hard. I do know that. But there's an increasing number in our society who just don't really want to work that much or, or commit to a long-term job. They just sort of drift from one thing to the next. They don't want to work hard. They hope there's an easier way to navigate through life. God's got some advice for you, actually for all of us. 28, verse 19. He who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Stop chasing fantasies. Get on with work. Knuckle down. Or chapter 10, verse 4. Four and five, lazy hands make a a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. When it's work time, work, like when it's harvest time in the summer. 
That's what will bring in the money. Actually, the Proverbs, book of Proverbs has no time for laziness. And if we had more time, we'd, I'd love to delve into chapter 6 and we can have a look at the ant who works hard and the sluggard who does absolutely nothing. Hard work. Usually, over time, this will mean that we have more than enough. So Proverbs 13, 11. Are you keeping up? You're doing brilliantly. <laughs> 13, 11. Dishonest money dwindles away. Dishonest money dwindles away. But he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. More than enough. It's not just hard work, but also wise decisions that leads to having resources. So firstly, careful planning. 21 verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Don't be hasty. Don't buy on impulse. You know, when you're in the middle little aisle, or you see that Amazon deal, sleep on it. Ask that question Do, do I really need a new car or to live in that area? Maybe get some advice. And riches come from careful management, 27, and verses 23 to 27. Right, you need, you need to put on your, your sort of cultural adaptation hats here. Think about this for today, unless you're a sheep farmer. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed, and new growth appears, and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing, and the goats with the price of a field. You'll have plenty of goat's milk to feed you and your family, and to nourish your servant girls. Do you know the condition of your flocks? Your finances, the things you own. Do you pay careful attention in, as you manage them? Are you able to provide when times are a little tougher? Now, for some of us, we sort of hear this stuff. We're just not good with numbers. This is just all terrifying. That's okay. Seek some advice. I remember there was a, a great situation where uh, there was a sad case where one family were really struggling. So they reached out to someone else um, who was in church, and they were a real expert on this stuff, and they were really able to help them to sort of manage their budget, work out what to do, even get some advice from mobs. If you need that kind of advice, do seek it. I can connect you with people if you want me to. For some, some of us even here today, you might be in real need. Maybe through some mistake of your own, maybe nothing like that. We would, we would love to help. Actually, in church, we have a fellowship fund, which is a specific fund to give to those in church who are in need, who just need a bit of help. Please come and ask, and we'd love to help you. 
Number five, riches come, sorry, riches must never come from dishonesty, oppression, or injustice. Like Proverbs is just so clear that this is a reality in this real world. So 13, 23. A poor man's field may produce abundant food, but injustice sweeps it away. Maybe you know that reality. So hard. Actually, for all of us, it's very easy not to be fully honest or, or to do something and we just say, oh, it's good business. Look at chapter 20 and verse 14. I, um, he, here's the used car buyer outdoing the used car salesman. Um, yeah, forgive me, those in the congregation involved in car sales. Um, verse 20, verse 14, sorry, chapter 20, 14. It's no good, it's no good, says the buyer. Then off he goes and boasts about his purchase. He's got a really good deal, hasn't he? Proverbs is also really clear that dishonesty is very serious. So, back a page to 17 and verse 15. Hmm, is that what I have on the screen? It's five. Let's go to verse five. No, it's not verse five either. Is it? 17 verse five. Yes, it is. He, sorry, he who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. Or 22, 22 and 23. This is just so blunt, isn't it? Do not exploit the poor because they are poor. And do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord will take up their case and will plunder those who plunder them. If we make or save money by exploiting others, we have God to answer to. It's actually reassuring if you have been exploited, they won't get away with it. Well, there's the first five. The next five is about how riches should be used, whether we have a little or a lot. So number six, riches are to be used for our own provision. Uh, 21 verse 20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. It's right to save. It's right to provide for ourselves, for our future, for our pension. 13.22. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Again, not everybody's going to be in this situation, but it's right if we can to provide for our family. 
maybe even for our children's children or for other close loved ones. But what Proverbs is talking about is adequate provision, not extravagance. Oh yeah, times of celebration, it'd be great to put on that dress or that suit, have that nice meal, have that glass of wine, but otherwise it's about wise moderation. Look at verse 20, chapter 21, verse 17. He who loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and oil will never be rich. It's not about extravagance or self-serving pleasure. Number seven, riches are to be used for others' good, especially the poor. There's loads of Proverbs on this. Um, let's have a look at a couple. We should be generous to all. So verse chapter 11, 25 and 26. Um, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. People curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. What we find, Proverbs says, that if we're generous, actually in turn we're blessed. We're, we're refreshed by others, appreciated. We're to be generous to all, and especially the poor, 28 27. He who gives to the poor will lack nothing, but he who closes his eyes to them will receive many curses. Again, this in the Old Covenant is primarily actually talking about the people of God. So today, there's, first of all, there's no excuse for a brother or sister in our church community to be struggling or to be going without. We mustn't close our eyes to that situation. But wider, we're, we're not to close our eyes generally to poverty in society or the world either. We can't help everyone, but we are able to help some. The Lord loves a generous giver, and he hates a greedy hoarder. As we've heard, if we exploit, we'll, we'll be in big trouble. We, but as we give, know that the Lord is behind that. We, actually, we cannot outgive God. Look at chapter 3 and verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God is the one who will give to us as we give to others. We do need to be wise. We need to be godly. But the more we give, the more we show we trust God. And it may be that that means God can trust us with more. The bottom line is that all we have is from God, and the question is not 
How much should we give to God? But really, how much are we going to keep to ourselves? Eight, riches are to be used for God's glory. Chapter 3, verse 9, here again, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor God. As we do this, as we provide, as we give generously, we are honoring God. But do you know what the greatest poverty is? Some people describe it as the greatest famine in the world. It's the gospel famine. See, it's devastating, isn't it, when we see people go without physical stuff in this life? But also, people all over the world are facing an eternity without forgiveness, without knowing God, without honoring God. And at least some of our giving must go to this kind of work. Actually, here it says the first fruits. When they gathered the harvest and they were bringing it in, the first fruits, the first bit, they honored God with it. Is thinking about giving the first thing on our budget planning before we think about the holiday or the new device or TV? Or is it the last, just if there's anything left over at the end? And maybe, you know, you, you haven't been great at giving. Well, it's not too late to start. Or maybe you've got really little. For, for some, you need to be wise. So maybe sort out some of your finances and your debt. But for others, even if you have very little, or even if you're quite young, it's not too late to start, even just to give a little. Riches are to be used for God's glory. Eight, nine, riches cannot provide lasting security or hope. All around us. There is the pull, the temptation to bow down to money and serve it. To think it will provide what we desire. I know this pull in my own heart. What great sacrifices we're tempted to make on its altar. Maybe our marriages, our relationships with our family, our children, our health, our integrity. All for what? Every day outside my window... At home, my study looks over the road. The road is the road that travels down to Mount Jerome Cemetery. Every day, down it goes a hearse with a coffin in it, at least once. Never, in all the times that they have passed me, have I seen a Securitas van full of cash going behind the coffin. Because it's too late. That wealth's going to do nothing for them. Nothing. We imagine money will give us the best protection. But actually, look at 11 verse 4. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. See, this world isn't all there is. Wealth is worthless. When it comes to facing the judgment, what matters is our trust is in Jesus and in the gift of his righteousness. Because where do we find security? Where do we find hope? Here's the tenth thing. Riches are not, are useful, but not ultimate. Throughout the Proverbs, 
the book of the Proverbs, we're told that there are things better than riches. I'm going to rattle through these, so you might just want to listen. Uh, 16 verse 8. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Or 19 verse 1. Better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. Or 17 verse 1. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. There are things that are better. Righteousness, peace, love. My, here's, here's my favorite probably. Have a look at this one. 15, 16, and 17. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. Can you see that sort of bowl of gruel, vegetable gruel, and that sirloin roast? And yet, who is the one who is content and happy? It's the one who knows the Lord. Better is the one who knows the Lord. The heartbeat of Proverbs is that the greatest treasure isn't holding on to your money. It isn't uh, Euro millions or that house on Aylesbury Road or that Tesla. Those things will never satisfy. They will never last, and they will be worthless in eternity. No, the greatest treasure is to know and fear the Lord. To know the smile of Almighty God, that is what blessed means in Proverbs. But when I stop, when I consider, how is it possible that I could know this God, given the fact that He has done so much to me, given so much to me, and at times, well, I have been dishonest. I have hoarded selfish flesh. I have put my trust there and not in Him. What hope is there of me knowing this God, of any of us? Because actually, we're all in massive debt to God. Not financial, but moral. And we're fools if we think we can do anything to pay it off. But God the Father sent his greatest treasure, his only son, the Lord Jesus. And he didn't come to live in a palace or to drive a Porsche. He didn't choose to hoard his wealth. He gave and gave and gave generously. In fact, he spent it all, every last drop to the last drop of his blood. Ephesians 1 verse 7 puts it like this. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You see, in Jesus, we have riches beyond compare. The riches of His grace, every spiritual blessing in Christ, complete forgiveness for all our sin, our selfishness, our greed, friendship with God now, God's Spirit in us, a guaranteed future with God in His perfect world in eternity, all because of the riches of His grace. This is the ultimate in Christ. You see, we have better, better than money, better than possessions, better than this earthly life. And that means we are free. 
free to give ourselves to others, free to give to others, free to use our money, our things, to provide, to bless, and to honor Jesus. Blessed is the one who finds the wisdom of Jesus. We're going to finish with these words. Chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. The greatest treasure. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing can you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Let me leave us in prayer. Our great God and Father, we long to be those who live wisely before you. To live in this world that you have made and ordered, even distorted by sin, but, but in a way that is in line with how the world should go. And yet we recognize that without your help, without your blessing, without fearing you, trusting you, receiving that great treasure of Jesus, we are utterly lost. And yet we praise you that in him we have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, every spiritual blessing. And in him you are able to help us to live more wisely and more for your glory. Please help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to share the Lord's Supper in a moment, which just reminds us of the greatest gift that has ever been given. And so that's going to be prepared. We're going to take just a couple of moments to do that. If you're up in the balcony, um, please can you join us down below, and we'll share that together shortly.